conversation with people who are dealing with with mental health issues, you know, whether severe or not, you know, it 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 will won't even it won't just help myself, but also others who may be afraid to kind of step within that realm of of just letting themselves be free and, and admitting that they have an issue and kind of just kind of honestly just not giving a shit what other people think. And I think that's the big issue, right? Is people are always, you know, cognizant of man, if I put myself out there, people are gonna think I'm nuts and I'm crazy. And you know, once you start realizing like I don't give a shit, you know, it feels freeing, it feels great. And so when I saw you put that out there, like just admitting that you reached that pinnacle with all these issues that you deal with, that takes a lot because most people won't even admit that. Most people will just say, I retired, I went through all that bullshit, great, you know what I mean? And knowing that you put yourself out there and saying that, you know, you had some mental health issues and you overcome that through the grace of God and then you finally reached that pinnacle of retirement and the VA benefits and a good life, right? It's, uh, I found it somewhat well, inspirational, you, you know? like for reaching I'm out and asking me to tell my story. Uh, Even though I took it back. <laughs> love, 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 love telling my story to anybody and everybody who wants to know because you know big picture is that we all go through stuff and i have come to realize that it's not what we go through is not necessarily for us it's for somebody else um because you know for those of us who do survive the trials and the tribulations of life you know telling that story gives Give somebody who's over there that's, you know, ready to throw in the towel, ready to jump off a bridge or just throw it all in, that gives them that extra oomph to be like, you know what, somebody else did it. And somebody else's story might not be what my story is. And they and their story might have been a little bit worse than mine, but you know, they they're still they're still dedicated to, you know, living their best life by any means necessary. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I absolutely love telling my story, but um, mental health as a whole, it's like there is the stigmatism of, you know, we don't all go through stuff. Yeah. And my father, um, my father was, I didn't know, I didn't know that my father faced mental issues, uh, mental health issues until I was an actual adult. Um, so when I was a kid, well, before I was born, my, okay, so my father was a schizophrenic with bipolar tendencies. He joined the military, um, and then he, he was, um, he was separated or discharged because he had, you know, he was a schizophrenic. So as long as my daddy was taking his medicine, he was good. You would never know. But at the point where he stopped taking his medicine is where, you know, things got a little, touchy feely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, you get off that medication, you know, sometimes it's best if you stay on it, even though, you know, it's frustrating. I mean, I find it frustrating to, to, you know, take medication I need to take that I'm just like, I don't, I don't find it necessary, you know what I mean? But again, you know, what do I know compared to a lot of physicians who have been through this, right? So, but yeah, it makes sense. We gonna touch on that in just a second. Ooh, so- okay. <laughs> oh, oh, chapter two. All right, that's cool. I'll stand by. <laughs> so, back to my dad. So, he, um, Growing up, when I was a child, they told me, they would tell me stories about my daddy and they would be like, you know, you know, your daddy, your daddy crazy. You know, yeah. they, they would put that, that, that title on, he crazy, but they never would act, never said that, no, he really has a mental health issue. 
Like he really has to take medication for him to be this way. So, you know, as a child, all I heard was really was crazy. And so it wasn't until, um, and he hid it really well um, from me. But uh, when he, when I was 18 years old, um, my last year of high school, getting ready to, to transition to, you know, out of high school, um, he stopped taking his medicine. And so I actually got an opportunity to see him, you know, with this sickness. And it was like, whoa. And so it wasn't until after he died. He died March 6, 2006. And it was because of, you know, he had other um, medical issues. But he stopped taking his medicine once again. So people who are schizophrenic, they have like this supernatural power where <laughs> they can they they just feel like they're invisible and they can do whatever it is that they want <laughs> i wish i had that <laughs> yeah listen it's actually mind-boggling to see to have saw some of the things that my dad did like you know there was a it was a um um what is it called uh an end cap like at a, at a store mm. and, and and the end cap um it was like in the middle of it was in the middle of the um and owl and like it's clear that you need a forklift to to move this thing this man pushed it and i was like oh my god (laughs) and so i'm thinking okay well let me try to push it back i can move it so so it was like and you know and he he threw um back in the 70s he threw a refrigerator on his on his dad, like you know, wow. a refrigerator that took three people to to pick it up. Like, you know, these are some of the stories I heard. So anyway, said all that to say that, you know, I wasn't new to to understanding the whole mental health issue. Um, I didn't find out that he was a schizophrenic with bipolar tendencies so after he died. And I requested his VA records because because he was honorably discharged, he still was able to get VA um, mm. care. So that's where he got his care from. So I was able to pull all his record and it, it, you know, years and years of stuff. But that's how I found out what his his um, his diagnosis was. I'm like, OK, so now that makes sense. So anyway, when my dad passed, I struggled with, you know, with um, with him him being gone so i went through depression and everything like that fast forward to when i joined the military um i joined june 8th 2010 and i was very excited to join you know i always wanted to be a part of the military because there were so many people in my family who were in it like all my uncles were uh, on my dad's side so my dad his his brother and his sister was in the military and then um, on my mom's side, her brother and a few of my cousins was in the military. So it was like, you know, I come from a, a military family. So it's like, yeah. okay, this is something that I always wanted to do. So anyway, joined the military, which was not the easiest task. Um, joined, got through boot camp, got through A school, got to my first command, and it was just absolutely horrible. Um, yeah. I, it was a ship. I got on a ship and, you know, we had these people, people who don't know what a small boy is. It's like high school on oh, steroids. And, you know, they like to spread rumors and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, I, I checked in October 10, 2010. Um, and then 
two th- uh, on the twelfth. Um, yeah. No, the 11th is when we went underway. Um, so about one day after uh, taking on, on board, we was underway. By by October 12th, they had spread all these rumors, um, all these rumors about me uh, saying that I had an attitude and I was this and I was that. I'm like, how in the hell? I've only been here two days. Yeah. I don't even know nobody for real. But <laughs> Spread like wildfire. So my my first few months, two years or whatever, was just absolutely horrible. And so anyway, we went we went on deployment. We, we deployed November the thirtieth, uh, two thousand ten. We pulled in our first uh, port, um, uh, June no sorry January sixth in Cold Korea. Seoul, Korea, and let me tell you, it was the coldest place I've ever been in my whole life. And I'm from Chicago. Really? I ain't never been no, I ain't never wow. been nowhere so cold. But anyway, um, so I I had a couple of friends, maybe one or two, um, but there was this one that I was really good friends with, you know, and I talked to him all the time. You know, it wasn't nothing like sexual or anything like that, yeah. but he was just my friend. So anyway, pulling the South Korea, uh, we were Liberty Buddies. We went on an excursion. Um, we went on an excursion in Korea, and then after after the excursion was over, we went out in town. We went to uh, a bar. Long story short, uh, he sexually assaulted me in the in the bathroom in Korea. Um, so it's like I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Because, like, you know, first of all, it's like, this is supposed to be my friend. Yeah. And, like, I trusted this guy. So, anyway, I didn't tell anybody, and I just went on, like, nothing happened. Um, And then when I got back, when we when we got off deployment, it ended up being an eight-month deployment. We got extended. Um, When I got off deployment, you know, I started, um, I, I went to um, get, get some counseling. Um, and then, so that, that ship was just an absolute horrible ship. Like it, it was just, it was so bad. I had to file a, uh, um, a grievance against the people on the wow. ship because people was attacking me. Like, and, and when I say attacking, like, you know, just, just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. For no reason. And so, um, anyway, uh, they they said they didn't find um, even though I gave them twelve pages of evidence, emails, and just all kinds of stuff. They came back and said, "Oh well, we didn't have uh, substantial evidence to you know to pretty much whatever." So like I right, whatever I I already felt like that's what's going to happen because like the even the EXO was in trying to you know trying to do me in, but I had a really good master chief. Um, and a couple of other chiefs who, you know, was very supportive and, you know, they took care of me. Like I was doing my ESWAS pen. I give you an example. I was doing my ESWAS pen, right? Um, you have to take the test. The night before I take the test, you know, we up, uh, one of our shipmates, we up, we studying and everything like that. Then the next day you need your book with all your signatures. Someone stole my book. So I wasn't able to take the test. Then I had to start all the way over. Wow. After I started all the way over, 
you know, then my book magically appeared. Oh, yeah, we found your book. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyway, I ended up talking to the CMC. Uh, I, I ended up talking to the CMC two times. Um, he was one of the people that, you know, who kind of assisted, but he asked me if I wanted to um, um, go, to, go to another command. And I said, absolutely, because this is absolutely ridiculous. I should not be going through this. You know, I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Why am I going through all this trouble? Yeah. So anyway, went to the next ship. They, um, we were supposed to deploy. And then I moved everything on my ship, on the ship, because we were supposed to, like I said, deploy. And then the the day after I moved all my stuff on, it was like, oh, well, you're not um, you're not going to uh, you're not going with us. We're going to a new ship. I'm like, you gonna tell me all this shit before I moved all this stuff over here? Wow, what the so hell? I had to move all my stuff off. I had my car was over in the barracks because I was in San Diego. My my car was over in the barracks, and then from the barracks. Um, I had to, so they was able to get me over there. So I was going back and forth trying to get everything off the ship. Then I had duty that day. Um, the master chief told me that I didn't have to stand duty, but some junior uh, officer was like, uh, no, you need to stand your watch. I'm like, why do I need to stand my watch? It was the uh, two to seven watch. Why do I need to stand the watch if I'm leaving? Yeah. I need to get off this ship. Anyway, so I ended up standing the two to seven watch. And then uh end up going to the other ship got to the other ship and again it's like the same thing like i had to dip the dimbo um she was a um she was a jg and okay. she just you know didn't ha she didn't like me from the start i ain't said nothing to this woman she just <laughs> causing all kinds of conflict and then the people that's in the office they like oh yeah she yeah, she she's known for doing that, and you know, um, then they they brought the chiefs down. It was like, oh, we see that y'all having um, a personality conflicts. I'm like, how am I having a personality conflict when I just got here? Yeah, everybody's saying the same thing about this woman, but I'm the one with the personality conflict. So you know, that's just some of the things that I went through. And then um, I had a trauma before I joined the military where I was shot, and so um, I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to um, um, get qualified on the M, um, M16, but oh. I was able to get qualified on the Nadmir shotgun, all that other yeah. stuff. But the M16 um, uh, bullet is it's the same; it's similar to the bullet that I was shot with. So that was a that was a trigger for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the CMC sends me to he sends me a. Uh, I told him what happened. He was like, well, if you can't, uh, if you can't get qualified on M16, then you need to go to mental health to figure out what's uh, going on with you. So they sent me to mental health, telling me, you know, telling me, telling them that I needed counseling. And so when they asked me the question, um, you know, uh, they would ask me different questions and I, and I would tell them like, you know, I think it's bullshit that I'm here. Yeah, because there's absolutely there's so many other things that I could be doing with my life and not being here. Like if something happened in a situation of where I had to be, that it, this was a dire situation, there's so many other watches that I could do. I could still stand my nine mil. I could still stand yeah. my shotgun claw. This particular gun, a rover, 
you sending me to mental health for it? You are you sending everybody else to mental health? So the no. doc called and talked to the TMC and it was like, well, and told him, told him exactly what I felt. And he was like, well, you know, if she don't need to be here, why is she here? So anyway, it ended up being a thing where they where I stopped having to go there. So um I end I was only supposed to do DCPO for six months. I ended up um getting pregnant. Oh, by the way, they extended me. I ended up getting pregnant. And so um, they had to take me from DCPO and put me back in admin. And I had a chief tell me, uh, you could have waited to get pregnant. You lying. I can't you lying. He said, you could have waited. Like, what was your rush of getting, getting pregnant? <laughs> you know, when you know you were supposed to be a DCPO. I said, first of all, chief, I don't even supposed to be here. Yeah. Y'all extended me. I already had orders. Y'all extended me. And then in addition, my six months has already is already been up. So you should have already been uh rotating me out. Know. Fast forward to going to the Pentagon. Went to the Pentagon and you know things were things were, you know, okay. But you know, that same BS. Now by the time I got to the Pentagon, now I didn't have my baby. I, I had my baby while I was at the Pentagon. And so as the mother of this, this baby, I need to take my baby to the doctor's appointment. Yeah. I was told uh, by our first class that um, uh, that I needed to do a, um, a family care plan. I'm like, I don't need a family care plan because, you know, I'm married. My husband is not in the military, so it's not required. It's like, well, you know, y'all gonna figure, y'all need to figure out on, you know, who's gonna um, uh, take your baby to to the doctor's appointment because you, you're not gonna be able to go to every doctor's appointment. And I said, why is that? We're not under, we're not underway. There's absolutely yeah. nothing that's going on that I'm not able to go and take my child to to the doctor's appointment. It was like, well, you know, I'm not, I wanna go to all my kids' doctor's appointments too, but I'm not able to. I said, yes, but you also have a wife who's at home not working. It just so happened that I'm the survey that, you know, I was yeah. there for four and a half years and that four and a half years, it was just, I was very, very, very depressed. So I was going to, uh, I was seeing psychiatry, I was seeing um, uh, a counselor, I was seeing a counselor every week and then it, it ended up turning into twice a week where I was seeing the therapist. Um, and then my chief, uh, she tried to she tried to extend me. Now, mind you, I've already been at this Pentagon for four and a half years already. Mm. She contacted. I got orders. All my orders end up getting canceled, except this one orders to Bahrain. And so, um, the orders get canceled. My orders got approved for Bahrain. She contacted the detailer and telling them that my medical. I'm still going through my medical situation, and so they need to uh to postpone with cutting my orders. And so I, she never had this conversation with me. So I contact my detailer like, hey, so when are y'all cutting my orders? When am I leaving? You know, and so he, he, he gets snappy with me. Like, you know, I don't understand why y'all keep calling. I said, first of all, this is my first time calling. Second, I'm asking because I got two small children. I have a whole husband. We need to plan. Everything needs to be planned. You can't just drop orders on me and just be like, okay, 
boom, this is what's going on. It was like, are you cleared in medical? I said, yes, I'm cleared in medical. I've already did my, my C screen. And he was like, well, your chief contacted me and told me that you wasn't cleared for medical yet. Complete lie. Wow. So um, I was like, that's a whole lie. That That's not true. I can see you over my, my C-service screener right now, um, which I did. He was like, well, when do you want to leave? And this was, I want to say, like, June 1st of 2018, something like that. Um, I was like, uh, I want to leave June 22nd. And he was like, that's a really quick turn. Are you sure you want to move that fast? I was like, I can make it happen. Every one of my orders have been last minute. So yeah. we'll be good. So um, end up, they, they cut me my orders. Um, I got to, we did on my household mood and everything like that. Um, and I was out of there on the 22nd. I did everything then. Then got to, to Bahrain. Everything was cool. Uh, my husband at the time, um, he ended up getting food poisoning, but he didn't go and get medical treatment. Like, you know, he's just been postponing going and see medical because he, you know, he don't like to go to hospitals and all this other yeah. stuff. And I'm like, you need to go and see what's wrong with you. But, you know, he was, in, he was supposed to be keeping the kids or whatever. But now, you know, he looking like a ghost. I'm like, you need to go. Anyway, he finally went ahead and go. Um, when he, it had, the infection had got in his bloodstream. So he was in the hospital for like almost a week. They drew his blood and his blood was black. Because he, he was so dehydrated. So anyway, uh, mind you, it's me, him, and my two small kids. My daughter was one and my daughter had, my other daughter had just turned four. Um, and that wasn't in childcare. So I got back, uh, backlash from, you know, the first classes who were saying, you know, well, what are you going to do? You know, you need to find somebody to watch your kids and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I can't just sit up here and just pick some random people. I'm First of all, I'm in the, in the middle of nowhere. I'm in mm-hmm. Bahrain. I don't know nobody. I've only been here like a month, not really even a full month. And he was the backup plan. And it's not like, you know, he just up and deserted us. He in a hospital. Well, anyway. So this person, this first class, she uh, she started giving me issues. So uh, we, were, we were friends at first. And then she turned into like this completely terrible person. And so they end up moving me to another division. But, you know, there's emails, text messages, everything where she's just, you know, effing with me, which is why they end up moving me to another, to to N2, which is where I was for pretty much all the time that I was there. So fast forward to October 26, 2019, uh, one of the guys in, uh, in the subcoast that was under me, so I was admin, so I did admin for everybody that was in N2, and they all had different subcodes. So, um, long story short, me and, me and him was, me and him was cool, so he, he was like, you know, he needed to talk to me. Well, I always make myself available 
you know, for, for sailors to talk to because not everybody's willing to go and talk to a therapist. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it was like, you know, if you, you need to talk to me, yeah, you know, come talk to me. So he came over and, you know, he's drinking. I'm not drinking, but, you know, he's telling me about his kids. He's telling me about his his uh, his wife and their relationship and just how, you know, whatever whatever it was. Anyway, um, he drank a whole lot. Fast forward to that night. He sexually assaulted me. So I got him out of my house. And then I called my chief. Like I, I didn't know if I wanted to report it. By this time, I'm a sapper BA. I had been for like six or maybe eight years. I had been a sapper BA. So it's like, you know, do I report it? You know, do I not report it? Yeah, I probably should report it. But do I want to do restricted or do I want to be unrestricted or you know, what is it that I want to do? And so uh, I know the protocol. So as a SAPA VA, you know, I'm not going to talk to another SAPA VA. I'm going to talk to a SARC. So I contacted the SARC. They gave me bullshit-ass information. Um, Not the not the SARC herself. It was the, the VA um, because he was supposed to go on leave. And I was like, you know, I want to do a restricted report until he gets off the, to get off the island. And then I'll do an unrestricted report. Then I'll change it to an unrestricted. So, you know, what does that look like? They said that if I filed a unrestricted report after he left the island, they would send NCIS to his house and they would pick him up there while he was on leave. Jeez. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Because, you know, his kids was the same as my kids. And, you know, you already don't see your daddy. You know, so to finally see your daddy, um, and he said he didn't really have a relationship with the youngest one, who was um, only two years old. So your daddy comes home on leave, and then he gets taken out, you know, by the police. Like, that's already just just bad. So I was like, well, I'll just go ahead and get that, do the unrestricted report. Anyway, all of that was a lie. So I did the unrestricted report. I went through, um, I, I did my safe, safe kit. The next day I went to NCIS. I was, I was interrogated for three hours. You said interrogated? Interrogated, questioned, yes, for three hours. That's a lot for a victim, Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. So um, did that. Uh, and then, you know, I have been talking to my son, you know, by, by, by this time I'm going in a spiral, a downward spiral. I'm still trying to keep it together, you know, trying to keep it together for my kids, trying to keep it together at work. You know, the people at work know as far as the leadership knows, but I don't know who else knows. So, you know, I'm just trying to be my normal self, but you know, I'm dying inside because it's like, you know. All these things are, well, I should have did this. You know, I should have did that. Um, I should have told him to leave. You know, I, all these things that's going through my head of what I should have done, you know, knowing, like, I fought him the entire time, but, like, you know, I should have did so much more type yeah. of thing. So, anyway, um, they ended up removing him. They told me that they removed him from the command. Well, I'm sitting on watch, and he walks through. He walks through the command. 
in the inside of fuck. Wow. So, you know, now I'm, because I had a restraining order against him. Yeah, and the, and the command knew that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it was unrestricted. So he wasn't supposed to be there. Anyway, so now I'm raised to hell, and now, you know, I'm on penny because everybody's fucking lying to me. So, anyway, um, during this time, like I said, I was I was the admin, and he was in one of my subdivisions. So, even though they sent him, they end up sending him to I think UAE, um, Dubai. I don't know for verbatim where they sent him, but uh, he was TAD, but he was still on my uh, admin roster. So every day I'm having to check him in. I mean, check check on the roster as he's TAD. He was also supposed to, to leave in January. So every week we have a weekly uh, department head meeting. And I got to brief the CO. Every week I got to tell them we're still missing his eval. We're still missing his award. Every every week, every day I got to see his name. But every week I got to say, I have to verbally say his name. That's insult injury right there. Jeez, <laughs> for real. So that went on, that happened, that happened in October. My daughter's, my daughter had the flu. She was in a hospital for a whole week. Then after my daughter had the flu, then, um, then my other daughter had the flu. Hers was not as bad as my first daughter's, but like my daughter, my oldest daughter, her, her temperature was getting up to like 105, 104. And I kept taking her to the emergency room and they're like, you know, they, you, they not, they, they not, they're running tests. They're not finding anything. Mm -hmm. So the third time I'm like, you're going to keep her. We're going to figure out what we're going to do, whatever we need to do to figure out because there, something is wrong with her, where her temperature is going up to 104. That's not normal. Anyway, so got backlash from that. So um, that was that was in that was in November. So there's absolutely no time for me to 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 cope with what happened to me. So on, on top of the fact that I'm in a process of about to be divorced. So in January. My daughter, um, I was messing with my daughters, my my two my two daughters, and um, I was like, when y'all go to bed, I I'm said, leaving. Yes. My daughter and they were like, here and tell these people that I left her at home, left them at home oh. by themselves. So I go to work, and one of the senior chiefs, um, we're we're both from Chicago together, so she was like. I got to talk to you about um, about uh, doing um, I can't even remember what it's called, but where family advocacy. Mm, okay, yeah. Um, she's like, so I'm like, yeah, but yeah, she told me casually, and I'm like, okay. So she was like, when you got time, you know, when when you got time to talk, and I was like, okay, we can talk right now again. So like, okay, I'm like. Confused as hell. Like I'm thinking, I'm about to go and and take somebody over here to talk to these people about yeah. protecting their kids. And um, so she was like, you know, 
you are you understand right i was like yeah of course i understand she was like you don't seem bothered i said seem bothered about what and she was like for neglecting uh you about to be questioned about neglecting your kids i said who fucking kids wow <laughs> i said no no I, I need to know who fucking kids are you talking about who's neglected she was like this everything i just told you is about somebody at the daycare reported that you were neglecting your kids you were leaving them at home i said i know you fucking lying i said <laughs> anybody is motherfucking neglected is me <laughs> I said, them kids ain't never been neglected a day in their life. Even in during the, the time of me carrying carrying them, yeah. they ain't never been fucking neglected. I neglected my own ass before I neglected them. <laughs> they, go to fucking, they go to daycare every fucking day. Their clothes are clean. They're fed. Their hair's combed. You ain't never seen them looking raggedy. And they're always fucking happy. That is not the demeanor of somebody that's neglected. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Fast forward. Um, we went. We got interviewed. Like I, I had. I'm, I'm confused as hell. Like, what? Like, who is making this shit up? Anyway, they go get interviewed. Um, I called the people, and they was like, you know, yes, we gonna, we need to talk to you, and this and that. And I was like, okay, we can talk right now. I'm gonna go pick my kids up right now. So, like, cause again, my kids ain't never been neglected ever. So. Whenever you ready to talk, we can talk. So my youngest daughter refused to talk to them. They asked them, um, do she want to talk? She was like, no. She said, I want to play. She didn't say that, but. <laughs> that what she, she was like, thinking. She didn't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. But again, she was two. So she's like, no, I want to play. Talk to y'all. I know y'all. I'm like, see, that's my baby. My oldest was like, yeah, I want to talk. This is the one who sat here and told these people that I neglect, that I left them at home. So anyway, doing the questioning, I'm there and I'm listening. And so it's like, okay, I know what happened. Now I'm laughing because I'm like, so I was playing with her as a joke. And I told her, boom, I was going to leave her. And this is what happened. And so. They was like, um, so the 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 person um in charge of the investigation and one of the chiefs is there. Okay, so they threw out the uh um the neglect part, but now they're uh you're being um investigated for uh emotional abuse. Because I told them that I was going to leave them. Yeah. And so now, like, it's like, I just started laughing. And, like, and I'm now I'm completely cracking the fuck up. Because it's just too much. Like, I have yeah. no moment to breathe at all. So I'm going to, I've been going to therapy. That shit ain't working because I don't trust these people. Oh. The, the one person that I did trust, you know, I felt like she was on some, some underhanded shit. She went and told the the therapist that I need to be there because, uh, well, he was um, he was somebody who can give me medication. I needed to be there, and I couldn't come see her no more. But then 
they both were in the room. Nobody told me this. And so now I feel like they was ganging up on me. Now I don't want to do the shit no more. Yeah. Like, you know, I already know I got trust issues. What the yeah. fuck is this? Somebody should have briefed me. So now I'm not going there no more. So now I go to my, my, my PCM and say, hey, doc, I need something because I'm losing it. But in all this time, I'm not sleeping. Um, when I do sleep, I'm sleeping downstairs. Um, I'm sleeping downstairs because that's where all the doors are. So I'm constantly walking around, making sure, uh, looking out the window, making sure that this guy's not coming back to get me. Yeah. You know, just all kinds of shit that happened, the aftermath of this sexual assault. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, all this happening in two, in a matter of two months. So then fast forward to when it just finally just became too much. I was like, I want to do, I want to go ahead and use the expedited transfer. So I always was considered doing the expedited transfer, but I wanted to finish, wait until my kids finish school. I didn't want to do it right then. And I was like, well, you should do it right now. What is you waiting for? I'm waiting because I want my, my daughter loves, loves her teacher and, you know, moving them, just uprooting them on top of the fact of, you know, I'm leaving. I, their dad is not here no more. It's it's too much. That's a lot. It's too much for me to do right now. So I don't want to do it. So anyway, I, I got to the point where I was like, I want to do the expedited transfer. And so, you know, the question was, were are you wanting to do the expedited transfer because of the uh the fat case? I'm like, this shit don't have nothing to do with that because big picture is the fat case is bullshit. Mm -hmm. my kids ain't never been neglected and I, I'm not even concerned about what the, the outcome is going to be because I know that I take good goddamn care of my kids and anybody who knows me knows that I put my kids before I, I put myself mm -hmm. so um, um, and then you know the sex, they, they was dragging along a sexual assault case then I had to be re-interrogated again was for the sexual assault case, you had to be reinterrogated. What blows my mind is that is that you know you're telling your story, and I'm like, they put so much effort into into trying to get you per se instead of trying to help you with the other issue. That's what's crazy. It blows my mind that you just said they they were dragging the sexual assault case, but bam, once they heard in child neglect, they just jumped on you and rather just drag you through the dirt. That just that. But see, that, I think I think that's that's the military leadership problem. I mean, you already know, like, so many people are in leadership positions within the military that. That shouldn't be in those positions to begin with, you know what I mean? But I mean, yeah, that, that blows my mind how they're not they they didn't want to assist you with the issues that you were going through, but once they saw that you you missed a beat, so so the, so they expect, you know, that's just that's nuts. That's crazy. They end up they I, like I said, I got reinterrogated again because the the sock went at, and questioned the the um the agent, like you know. Did y'all do this or did y'all do that? Asking probing questions that I never said. It was like, you know, said that looking for scratches and stuff and things like that. I said, I, I don't, I wasn't having a combat fight with him. I don't know if I scratched him. I never said that. Yeah. But anyway, fast forward to, to, to the part where I got interrogated again. Um, and then finally I, I had a complete meltdown and then, um, the captain, um, cause I worked for, for both captains, you know, he, he saw that I was having a meltdown. He came and brought me into the office. He didn't even know that I had been sexually assaulted. So I ended up telling him my story at this time. And then, so then the end, then that's when they got the ball rolling. 
because he was he used to be the cause and then he ended up being mock d and so then that's when they they start fast forward and stuff so anyway they uh i had to fight to get to texas because they were trying to send me to random place places but because i had injuries before i got there i was able to um uh they wanted to send me to a ship like how the fuck you gonna take me from this environment to a ship as if that's gonna make things better so anyway i end up getting orders to to texas now mind you my statement never he never testified. He never, you know, gave a statement or anything. He utilized his 31 Bravo rights to remain silent. So I got here, um, moved in, me and my kids moved into the house. The kids went to, um, went to their dad for the summer. But before that, we, um, I didn't want to do a, um, uh, a court martial and I didn't want him to, and I didn't want him to do uh, NJP because with NJP, if he if they did NJP, then he could request court martial, and then I would have to go through that whole process. So they they did it where they was going to do an admin separation. So he had to do an admin board. So they asked me if I wanted to, you know, if I would be willing to testify. So yes, of course I'd be willing to testify because you know. They need to know from me, even though I've gave my testimony, they need to know what this has done to me. Anyway, fast forward to that day, interrogated again for two and a half hours. And when I tell you this lieutenant was the worst freaking person ever, ever, the questions that she was asking me, it's like, you know, it, she was just like, uh, she asked me about a, um, a mark that I had on my neck. It was like, well, do you think that was a choke mark? Would you say that was a choke mark or a hickey? I was like, well, I wouldn't say, I, I don't really know. Now, mind you, this happened in October. This is May that they're questioning me. Yeah. There are so many things that, that has went on. So I don't remember every specific detail. Anyway, after being interrogated for two and a half hours, they found him not guilty. So he still is in the Navy right now so you're telling me the, the individual that sexually assaulted you is currently still active duty in the united states navy still active duty that's just absurd you know it's 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 absurd because you know again the, the more I listen to your story the more i realize that that the navy's failing its sailors and in, in so many ways you know they're and this is why people don't want to come forward like you said like you your, your first one your second one you you were debating whether to come forward and people don't want to come come forward because guess what they're going to go to three two hour interrogation not even it should be an interview first off you know it should be an interview of the victim not an interrogation i promise you the way you're explaining it was an interrogation trying to catch in a lie versus helping you to to put this individual away which is which is absurd and and that doesn't you know that that doesn't mean that you know these leadership positions that you know like you said lieutenant she probably had cases to where individuals did lie, but she shouldn't put that based upon every single person, right? And I think that's where leadership's getting it wrong is that they're putting a cookie cutter mold in every person they interview thinking, well, this person's probably lying. Since the last person lied, you know what? She's gonna be lying too. And I think that's the issue right now, which is which is absurd. You know, it's absurd that you just admitted that someone sexually assaulted you while you were active duty sailor serving your country and another active duty sailor sexually assaulted you and he got away with it. And that's just, that blows my mind because I hear so many stories, you know, about about females, males, whatever it may be, getting sexually assaulted. And a lot of them put those things away, get mm -hmm. out of the service, deal with mental health issues because they kept it bottled up. And guess what? 
they they get to a moment to where they feel that the only way out is is by suicide, right? And it happens every day. You know that it happens every single day. And it's funny, it's comical actually how how you have a you have a, a suicide awareness month and all these leadership you know positions within the military and all branches preach about, you know, if you have something, let us know, we'll help you out. And then look what happens. You had something, they didn't help you out, they left you hanging, and they decided, you know what? We're not we're not gonna prosecute the guy who who did this to you. You know, you have to deal with that your own self, which is absolutely 100% absurd. You know, it's it's beyond comical. It's it's an insult. It's an insult to to people who are servants, people who have served, and people who are going to serve. Because now, you, you know, people like you are 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 voicing their concerns, which is which is again, which is an inspiration. Because now people are seeing that you know what's happening behind closed doors in the military. Because people like you never come along and and and, and express themselves and, and put their information out there. Because again, you know, and I appreciate you doing so. You know, I appreciate you telling your story you know, and such an in-depth and, and just letting yourself go for the world to hear you because, again, you're probably going to help someone out there in the military, out the military, or even not part of the military, deal with their own issues, whether it be sexual assault, depression, PTSD, all those stemming from 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 that traumatic experience. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, you know, for, for you to tell your story, but I just can't believe that happened, like, you know, and... and, oh, and, and the sad thing is they put me over here at this, at this command, right? As I found out that, you know, as they told me he, he, they found him not guilty and he would be able to continue his military career. Um, they put me over at this command. Uh, this happened in May. Uh, in June, I ended up getting COVID from people at the command, the triad, the triad and my chief all had COVID and I ended up getting COVID. So, um, so that happened. So I was out for like a month and we was already doing the, the teleworking type of thing because, you know, COVID was, was still like a real big thing because this happened in 2020. So um, I wasn't there most of July and then I went back to in August. And so then I still have my medical appointments. Now, mind you, let's get to the mental health part of it. I'm on this medication. They gave me, uh, they gave me this medication. The medication wasn't working. They switched me to another medication. That medication wasn't working. So I'm calling them like, you know, I had I got here April 15th. I was reaching out trying to get me, uh, you know, a therapist, a counselor, and all this other stuff. They wasn't seeing patients. So all they was doing is giving you medicine. I didn't get a actual therapist until November of 2020. Say it for louder for the people in the back, because that's that's crazy. No, but I got here to Texas April 15th, 2020. I was I was seeing mental health before I left Bahrain. And the medication was not working. And I did not get a therapist until November of 2020. 2020. Um, and so I was I was I finally, get, they was just, they just kept giving me medications. And then one, one time I just had a spaz out moment where I called the, um, the nurse advice line and I just like, just completely lost it. I was like, you know, it's fucking absolutely unset. I am going down a spiral, um, downward spiral. I'm not sleeping. 
Um, I'm fucking checking doors, checking windows. You know, I can't have a relationship. I can't sleep. I can't have any fucking thing because I am always um, hyper alert. You know, I don't have nobody to talk to. You keep telling me that I can't see a fucking, um, you don't have appointments for a therapist. And then when I finally do get to see the therapist, I see the therapist on, you know, um, on a screen. And then they don't have a, uh, then he don't have another appointment for like three fucking months. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. fucking this is This is not how you do yeah. your fucking sailor. So anyway, yeah. so that happened. And then um, I end up having to have surgery um, because I had uh, I had bulging disc in my neck, which was pressing on my nerves, and it caused nerve damage. Mm-hmm. So I had to have surgery. Uh, I had surgery September the 9th. Anyway, fast forward, got off got off convalescent leave. They put this first class. I was a first class by this time. Oh, by the way, I had made first. Uh, that year okay. out of all that stuff I, I made first but anyway um, they put another first class she came in and um, uh, they made her LPO which I didn't give a fuck because again my mental health was so fucked up like I didn't, I didn't want to care about anybody but taking care of my kids I couldn't function myself let alone being the, in charge of a damn division yeah. I didn't want to do that so, you know, it was like, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that she the LPO. Anyway, she was in, she was in um, uh, competition with me or something. I don't know. But she just was just doing all kinds of fucked up shit. Again, I ended up making, uh, doing a, a complaint. I ended up doing a semi complaint. I ended up contacting the IG. Um, it, it was just a whole, it was just a whole issue. Mind you, I'm still dealing with everything that I'm going through. I went to intensive outpatient. At one time, I was seeing four different therapists. I went to intensive outpatient, which was only supposed to be eight weeks. So three times a week, three times a week um, for 90 minutes. And sometimes it would be two hours. So I did that from January to, to toward the end of April. On top of seeing my therapist, on on top of seeing um, my group group therapy, on top of seeing my psychiatrist, they had put me on four. I had like four or five different medications for mental health. None of this shit was working. It just yeah. keeps working. So they give me one medication. They they over medicate me. Like I was on two hundred milligrams yeah. at one time. They over medicating me. So now I'm having nightmares, and now I'm having all these other kind of reactions. And then they're giving me medications for for the nightmares when really they should have just switched the medication. Mm-hmm. So um, I end up being, uh, I open, uh, oh, this is important about the sexual assault. So they have, they have a SART, so you're supposed to still receive services as long as oh. you want. They had no services for me. None. I there was no there was no group therapy. There was there was no community resource. There was nothing. Everything that I found for myself, everything that I found for for sexual assault group and everything like that, I found it on my own. That's a, that's just disgraceful. So then they had the audacity to ask me, uh, like I was telling these people, they couldn't keep a SARS. Oh, by the way, 
So I was telling these people about resources that I found. They supposed to be giving me the resources, but I'm telling them the resources that I found so that we can help somebody else. So um, I ended up closing my case because uh, closing closing the case because it was no, it wasn't beneficial to me. Like you know, you just calling me and asking me if I need something, but you can't really give me nothing. Man. So every month they having a a meeting about about the people who have open cases to say if they need something or what's going on with them. But shit, you ain't doing nothing for them, so I don't need you. So anyway, I closed that. I ended up reopening it because I needed to, I was I was study going further down in the spiral, uh, downward spiral because I was such, at such a shitty command and nobody is doing anything about this first class. So anyway, we, we did a uh, change of command the new uh the new CO um uh talked to I, I I contacted the chaplain, I contacted uh the uh the SARC and I and I was already in contact with my therapist and they ended up um put me in a telework status and I was like that's not gonna be enough because again they, they moved me out of admin because she said she couldn't work with me even though I got like I don't know, 40 pages of emails and text messages and all kinds of shit where she's fucking with me. All this stuff. Like, I, I, I'm I, the crazy one, seriously. Yeah. They came up, they ended up putting me at another command. They told them that I was, a t- um, they was, that I was, I was supposed to report to them, send them, you know, however they want to do it, but I, I need to go to my medical appointments. So that's what I ended up doing. I was going to my medical appointments all while still trying to fight the good fight of making sure that, you know, this situation that this command get dealt with. So, um, November of last year, uh, I was having problems with this medication once again. I've been trying to get in contact with my uh, psychiatrist who was on FMLA. She ain't never there. I've been trying to contact this woman for three weeks. So, uh, finally one day, like, I hadn't slept for four days. And it, it was just real bad. So I went up to the hospital. I talked to my th- I went to see her. She wasn't there. I saw another psychiatrist. I was like, y'all need to give me a different medication because this is not working. I've been telling y'all this wasn't working and I need help. So he pretty much told me that he cannot give me any more medication. Uh, he can't switch my medication because I'm already under uh, another doctor. And I'm like, well, this doctor ain't there. So what the fuck? But anyway, talk to my therapist. My therapist was like, um, my therapist was like, go downstairs. She's like, you know, you're not looking well. I want to make sure you're not having an allergic reaction to to the medication you're on. Go down there. They'll do some blood work, and they have a psychiatrist on duty, and maybe he can switch your medication. Mm-hmm. I go down there, tell them what's going on. Right now, they start doing crazy, doing shit that's like just not out of the normal. Like I'm, I'm very observant of what's going on because again, I'm hyper alert all yeah. the time. Um, but you know, at that time, I, I was a little bit better than what I, what I was before. But you know, I'm still on alert. Like, what you doing, y'all? Y'all doing this quick moving shit? I don't like that. Anyway, they took me from one room, put me to another room. They took me in that room, and they started taking shit out of this room. I'm like, what is y'all doing? Like, this is not normal. Like, oh, well, not every not every uh, room has the same thing, so they just need, they just moving this out because, you know, uh, for, for another room that don't have it. So anyway, this woman is talking to me, like, 
everything she's doing, I'm questioning it because it just it's not it's not adding up. And she keeps saying it's protocol, it's protocol. So anyway, she gave me this uh this these scrubs. Now mind you, I done been to the emergency room plenty of times. They ain't never gave me no fucking scrubs. And they had a big a big um department of um uh JBSA Fort Sam on. And I'm like, this look like prison clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to wear this. It was like, well, this is just protocol. So anyway, um, I went ahead and complied. And so I put my Uggs back on. She was like, I need you to take everything off and put it in this bag, and we're going to inventory it, and then, you know, you won't get it back until you leave. I'm like, well, damn. What kind yeah, that's of like jail. That's jail for she real. Said, I said, what can I keep my purse and my phone? And she was like, no. I said, now, nah, see, you got me fucked up. You know, I'm here on my own free will. I'm here trying to get some help. And you telling me that you're trying to take my shit and, you know, you ain't telling me nothing. You keep talking about some protocol. What I do know is that I've, I wrote enough protocol and read enough protocol to know that if it's protocol is in writing, you ain't giving me no fucking writing, so I'm leaving. Absolutely. She was like, well, I'll tell your doctor. I said, well, you tell whoever the fuck you want to, but I'm leaving. <laughs> so I get my shit. I'm getting ready to go. All these people swarm the, the door. Now I'm losing it because you you got Ooh. me fucked up. You, you know, ain't the one, huh? Shit. You gotta tell them you ain't the one. <laughs> Listen, I the one or the two. This person from Chicago <laughs> that grew up in the hood, you about to find out. I'm about to fuck all oh, y'all. Shit. So I'm I'm like going beside like y'all got me fucked up in this bitch. You gonna make me slap her? She's talking to me like I'm you know like I don't got no fucking sense and this and that. And so then one doctor he was talking to me like you know like he had sense like he talking to me like I'm a human. And I'm talking to him. And so then this one doc, he, he jumps in and say, you're not going anywhere. I said, I'm sorry, who the fuck are you? He was like, I'm captain. I'm in charge of this whole uh, emergency room. I said, well, that's good to know, doc, but ain't nobody fucking talking to you. You're dismissed. Damn, so like, I'm, going, I'm, <laughs> I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, I couldn't talk for four days. Jeez. So, like, you know, it, it was just really, really, really bad. So, anyway, they was trying to drug me. Um, they was like, well, let me give you something to take the edge off because you shake it. I'm shaking because I'm pissed off. I came here for help, and this is what the fuck y'all do? Yeah, well, see, what's, it's, it's, you're explaining you're going in for help, and they're treating you like you don't, you don't have uh, a thinking capacity. But obviously, if you turn yourself in, you have some sort of capacity to self-think. And it's crazy how they're labeling everyone the same, someone who's, who's totally out there, who has no free will or can't handle that, to someone who, who actually had free will to, to commit themselves and now expect to be treated like a human being, you're being treated like some type of criminal, which is again, it goes back to it goes back to this is exactly why people in general never want to get help because then you lose all you know what I had a I had an interview where I would say, like I said, a conversation with Christopher Sparks in my first podcast, and he mentioned something like that of saying, you know, once once you you tell someone that basically you're not okay, you lose all all free will at that point. You know, they take over everything. And whatever you say means nothing to them, which is, which is again, which is, that goes back to the stigma. I mean, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded as to how they're treating you in this situation, you know. I mean, I'm sure glad you told that captain off. I hope he, he sees this one day because he needed to get his ass chewed out because that wasn't his damn business. Yeah, like, you know, your big picture is, and what I need everybody to know or understand is that you, when you go to the doctor, when you go to the emergency room, whatever, whether you, whether it's at a military facility or whatever, their job is to treat you as a patient. You are a patient, no matter what your rank is. 
no matter what their rank is. They are responsible for letting you know everything they're doing to you. Like you, they cannot, they cannot just do whatever they want to. And because I wasn't, I'm, I'm not gonna accept that. You're not gonna just tell me, oh, this is, this is protocol, and this is what we're gonna do. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm gonna advocate for myself, and I'm not gonna let you fucking lock me up. And then, you know, now, now it's an issue with my security clearance. Now, you know, like you didn't give a fuck that I got kids. You didn't know if I had. Uh, a babysitter or anything like that. You just were about to take all my shit and lock me up when I came down here for help. Like nothing happened. This wasn't um, a command, uh, a command situation where the command sent you over because you had mental issue problems. At that point, they don't really have to explain it to you of what was going on. They should, but they don't have to because you was you was um, uh, you were sent by the command. Like something happened. But then and nothing happened. I came here on my own free will, and this is what yeah. the fuck y'all did. So after that, that it went it went down downhill from there. I started taking all the medication. You know, I didn't trust none of them. You know, I told them I I stopped fucking with my psychiatrist. I didn't have a psychiatrist anymore. I was like, I'm done with y'all. You know, y'all not giving me no more medication because you tried to drug me. So if I would have went if if I wasn't strong enough to defend myself, I would have took this fucking medicine. Y'all would have had me somewhere slobbing in the fuck, locked up in the damn room, and then yeah. you know, crazy. And then actually, I was in a group, um, a sexual assault group, um, that I ended up getting sent to. But long story short, um, the girl that was in there, that happened to her. They did that same thing that I just described to you that they were doing to me. They did to her, but you know, she just she was she was an E three, so she, you know. She's still young in the Navy or whatever. And so this is what they told her to do. And so that's what she did. She was in there. She was in there for a whole week. Oh, hell no. Like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You go in for help and this is what they do to you. Yeah. And that's why the suicide rate. Somebody asked, well, why is the suicide rates are going up? Why is sexual assault going up? It's going up because the assailants are not, they are not being convicted for their crimes. You have to almost mm. have six, 10, 12 stories of people of these people coming forward and saying yeah yeah this person did this to me before they actually do something and then they don't even do nothing then they take them down one pay grade and give them six, 60 days of restriction or 60 days of confinement yeah. or retire them like the bullshit that goes along with with, with sexual assault is is mind-boggling and then with the mental health you know it's like it's much easier you know, I thought about suicide after my sexual assault, mm-hmm. but it's much easier with everything that I went through. It, it's much easier for you to just go ahead and take your life than to do it with all that other shit. But, you yeah. know, prayerfully, I mean, because, you know, I, I have my spirituality and, you know, I I, I love my kids more than, you know, life itself. And I yeah. couldn't, couldn't bear leaving them, you know, to be in this world by themselves. Like I, it, it was a quick, it was a, it was a thought, and then it was done. Like yeah. we, we're done with that. But not everybody have that. Some people don't have anybody to 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 think about or or to um, that relies on them. And they, and it just becomes too much. And it becomes too much is because you don't have nobody to go to. Yeah, it's 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 hard to bring yourself down from that moment when you have no one else to think about to say, hey, 
who truly cares? Because in that moment, when you have those suicide ideations, you're already thinking no one gives a shit, you know, but at least someone like you, like you said, you have family to know deep down, you know, they care. So you know that you can't, you know, your life without them would be miserable, right? Their life would be miserable because you wouldn't be there. So that grounds you. But there are individuals out there who who may not be married, who may not have kids, who may be divorced, whatever it may be, who may be distant from their their actual families and their relatives, right? Or even friends to where they think, you know what? There's no one else to ground me from here. Why am I still here? Because I'm going through all these issues and nobody's helping. You can go to the VA, you can be active duty military, go to a regular hospital. You already proved it yourself that none of that shit matters. Because again, when you do ask for help, because they always tell us, ask for help. We have a suicide, ask for help, all these all these things, when it comes boils down to it, who really gives a shit, right? I talked about that in one of my videos is that how can someone say they genuinely care about someone else if they have no emotional connection to begin with? You can sympathize with people and say, you know what, I kind of care. Or there's physicians who go to school because they have that genuine caring nature, but that doesn't mean they have an emotional connection to you. So how, like for instance, let's say if you did go that route and you had a psychiatrist who you met with on a weekly basis, they wouldn't lose sleep over it. It's, it's unfortunate, but they wouldn't lose sleep over it. They would say, well, I lost a patient. I'm going to move next because guess what? There was no emotional connection. They're there for a job. They may have a caring manner, but there's never going to be a connection. And, and, and what, you know, when people start realizing that, it's going to be better to say, you know what? I'm just going to talk about my feelings to someone. It doesn't have to be a medical professional. It can be to anybody. It can be to a friend. It can be to a, like, like you. I, don't, I, I mean, this is our first time meeting, you know, face to face. I guess it will over Microsoft Teams and you're telling me all these things and it puts things in perspective for myself for the issues I'm going through. You know what I mean? So it doesn't always have to be a medical professional because nine times out of 10, half these people went to school just for the paycheck. That's it. They went for the paycheck. They they knew for a fact, if I become a physician, I'll make six figures a year. I'm going to make bank. And you know what? Maybe I'll help out some veterans along the way. But honestly, I highly doubt that was their main mission to begin with. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to be successful and trying to care about themselves. And it's hard. It's really, truly hard to have that energy and give it to somebody else. And I speak about that a lot. I'm a huge advocate of energy. Everything takes energy. Playing with my kids takes energy. Um, talking to my wife takes energy. Talking to all my friends takes energy. You know, I'm that guy who, you know, you'll text me and I'll text two weeks back because I don't have the energy to talk because I know that's going to lead into a conversation that I just don't have the emotional capability right now because I'm exhausted, right? Yes. It's, you know, people say, oh, I don't text back. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to you, man. When I feel like I'm emotionally ready to converse with you, I'll do so, right? But I mean, it's it's amazing. And, yeah, you're and just to speak off that part right there, people don't understand that, you know, when you're dealing, when you're dealing with depression, depression is, is, is something that cannot be explained to, someone who's never been going through it. Because when I struggle with depression, you know, like one of the things you brought up was, you know, they, you're, you're away from your family. I, I was in fucking Bahrain. Yeah. I had no family, it was me and my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and all I had was my coworkers. And you know, there was some time and you know, I had some that, you know, that I was really good with, but you know, when, when you start relying on people that, you know, it, it's, it feels like, like you're, like you're using them as a crutch. And not yeah. everybody has the time or the energy. So it's like, you know, people, when, when you have depression, and I explained this to some, uh, one of the senior chiefs over there, you know, it's like, you know, you got to do this for your kids and everything like that. Because I, I was struggling with being a mom at this pre present time because it's like, I don't even want to be myself, let alone take care of these ungrateful ass kids. Yeah. You know, I, it's so fucking hard for me to get, it physically, 
physically yeah. hurt to get up out of the bed yeah. to go and brush your teeth and put your clothes on and do this and do that and then you got to do all this stuff for other people who they you know they kids you you know they kids but yeah. they ungrateful as fuck i don't want to cook first of all i don't want to eat but I know I got to feed these kids, so let me go ahead and cook this fucking food for these kids. <laughs> and then, I don't like that. I don't like that. This yeah. is yeah. If you don't eat this motherfucking food, <laughs> oh yeah. On top of that, now you know they ain't never played with glasses before. They don't drink out of glass. They drink out of cup. So now I sit here and I finally get their food together. Boom, gave them their food. They at the table, eat your food. Now I'm sitting here making my play. Oh, let me tell you what they did. Let me go over here and grab this glass off the counter, drop the glass, not glass all over the fucking place. Jesus. Now I can't eat my food because now I got to get up the glass because mm -hmm. I got to make sure you don't cut your goddamn self. And then yep. I got to go over there and then here you coming back over here with a glass. I just told you you're going to cut your damn self. <laughs> so, you know, all of these things and it's like, you know, and then it's like, well, this, this doesn't even really taste good. You know what? Go to fuck to sleep hungry. I don't give a shit. Because now my food cold. Now I don't want the shit. By the way, I didn't want the shit to begin with. But now yeah. I still got to sit here and I got to clean up glass that shouldn't have even been broke because you shouldn't have fucked with it. And then now I got to throw away food that I just cooked for your ass because you too good to eat this because you want a motherfucking french fry or some pizza <laughs> or something because you don't want to eat the chicken and broccoli that i just made your yeah. ass that you've been eating all your fucking life okay cool now i gotta sit here and try to go to sleep oh i can't go to sleep because i'm having fucking nightmares and no i can't sleep in my bed because i gotta sleep downstairs to guard the doors to make sure this motherfucker don't come and try to kill me or send somebody to try to kill me because now his career is on the line even though he did something he just took something from me that i can't never fucking get never, back i'll never. never be the fucking thing and nothing happens to him he's over here living his fucking best life and i'm sitting up here struggling trying to stay the fuck alive you know just to sit here brush my teeth it's a hard work and people don't understand how hard it is and no medication can make you fucking feel better it just makes you feel woozy and just that's fly it. if that's you it. not fucking sleep yeah that that's it. And, and and the thing is that, you know, the VA thinks that we're just to pump all these veterans with medication and they'll be okay. And if you say you're not okay, it's not working, they'll try to alter the medication, as you said, either increase it or decrease it. And nine times out of 10, they'll never switch it unless you actually request to switch the medication. But any medication, the majority of it never works. And if it does, it's it's always for short term. It's, you know, they, they give these excuses as to why it's going to work or why it's going to take time. And some of these medications actually give you the suicidal ideations and make it worse, you know? So, and at the end of the day, it can be difficult. And then going back to the pain management, they'll try to drug us with opioids and people get addicted and then you get addicted and you fall into a whole spiral, which is worse than before. So I think the VA you has it all messed up. Because you pop on you pop on the on the uh um the drug test or the random drug test yep. and you wasn't taking it like it said, it says as needed. So six months ago, you they gave it to you six months ago, but you ain't need it. You know, until right now, you take the name. Now they they trying to process you out for for yep. using drugs because you didn't you didn't follow it. And they don't want to give it to you. Yeah. Like yeah. this is prescribed. It's in my record. Well, you it, this was six months ago. Are you kidding me? And yeah. so, and, and then on top of the 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 drug situation, it's like I've been on. I I shit you not. From 2020 to 2022, I've been on eight different medications. That's absurd. Eight, they have switched one medication. <laughs> 
one medication caused me to gain 20 pounds in, in a month time frame. Once I realized it was the medication, because I wasn't doing nothing different. I, shit, yeah. I wasn't even really eating. I wasn't doing anything different but taking this medication. I started taking the medication. It took me forever to get the weight off. And then it happened to be around the time where you, you know, you got to get, uh, you got to do your weigh-in. I asked for a weigh, but they're going to tell me nothing about this medication says that this will cause you to gain weight. <laughs> so they didn't weigh the BCA. Wow. I'm like, but it doesn't matter if the, every medica medication does different things for different people. Different people, yeah. Absolutely. So some people might lose weight, some people might gain weight. But based off what this says, what, what it says in the description may happen, the side effects that may happen, you're not going to, to weigh me, even though it's in my record saying that I gained this much weight in one month. Since the start I, of the medication, yeah. Since yeah. I started this medication, my weight has went from this, from 2020, from when it started happening, when I started being on medication, to 2021, I have been consistently about this weight. And this one month from the time I got this medication to this time, I have gained 20 pounds. And you're going to tell me the medication has nothing to do with it? <laughs> but said all that to say that mental health is real. And, you know, you have to, you have to find people and in your community because big picture the navy the navy the military can say whatever they want oh you know if you need help if you feel this you feel that you know we will help you they have the months the suicide prevention month sexual assault prevention month you sit there and you go through all these trainers and all this all this shit you know and then when the shit hits the fan you out there by yourself so you have to advocate for yourself, you know, yeah. get with, get with people because you're not the only one, you know, don't be afraid to tell your story. Don't worry about what somebody else has to say, which is what I have to yeah. learn. It doesn't matter what people say about you. What matters is that you're still functioning, that you're still yeah. going to push through because yeah. at the end of the day, all you have is you. And if, you know, if you're not getting what you need from, from a therapist, ask for another one, fire their ass. Hey, look, this, this, you know, this ain't working. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking to you and you talking to me like a fucking robot. Well, how does this make you feel? Bitch, how do you think it makes me feel? Yeah, like <laughs> it ain't, you but know, see, it ain't it ain't personal. Like, working, get rid of that ass. If if you know the if the medicine is not working, ask for another medicine. You know, and then I found more beneficial for me fucking vitamins. They have vitamins, you know, um, that you know that that helps with um, mental health, and I've I've been on those vitamins for a long period of time, and I can honestly say the vitamins help me way more than any other medication that they have they have given me. Absolutely, so yeah. The the big takeaway is do not be silent. Tell your story. Somebody somebody needs to hear your story. They need to hear your story so that so that they can push through that hard time because maybe there's a little bit worse maybe there's not as bad as yours but if you tell your story and say just telling them that they're not alone and they get comfortable with saying hey yeah i need help 
And somebody, you know, somebody might tell you no. Somebody might not be able to help you. But if you keep telling your story, somebody else going to say, hey, I'm going through that too. I can help you. You know, I, get, I, I, I can't help you, but I can be here with you. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I'll tell you, that's, that's the message I love to hear. You know, that's why I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we sat down, we got to talk. Because again, your, you know, your story is undeniably inspirational, not just the story itself and how you overcome all those adversities, but that you're still here and that you're willing to tell everybody else. Because like I said, I know there's people who are going through the same shit, whether it's, you know, well, like you said, whether it's worse or less, it doesn't matter because everyone's in their own lane. Everyone's dealing with different things. You know, no one's going through work, something worse than others. And it should be viewed that way. Mental health should just be viewed as what it is, mental health. And you know, the military throws its service members under the, under the fucking bus. Let's just say they throw they throw them under the fucking bus. They can give a rat's ass. Like you, has, you, you stated previously, all these mental health months and all these trainings we go through, they never act upon that when there are service members in need, you know. And the reason I'm making this podcast is to throw the military under the bus to let other people know that, yeah, we're not being treated right, you know, because people think that, oh, our service members are, they're well taken care of and they're treated properly. Like, no, just because you thank me for my service doesn't mean the military is thanking me for my service. Because again, we're just another body in there getting the mission done. And I understand we signed up for that. Absolutely. But what we didn't sign up for is to be thrown under the bus and thrown into the dirt and not give a shit about after our service is done. And, you know, again, I just want to thank you for actually taking the time because I know it's a lot is, like I said, big advocate of energy. It takes a lot of energy. You hopping on here with a total stranger and telling your story. That's a lot of energy. I mean, I'm stressed out by hearing your story. I'm mad right now. I'm like, man, I want to call somebody. What's that captain's ass? I'm like, damn. You know, so I just want to say, you know, again, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate you, you know, uh, coming on here. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm fairly confident, you know, someone's going to find some help in what, what you just said, everything, you know, whether, whether it's looking for additional help, you know, uh, deciding that, yeah, they want to be here, they want to live, or whether they've gone through something like you did, and now they're re ready to say, you know what, no, I'm not going to be silent any longer. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to tell someone what happened to me. I'm going to try to prosecute the person that, that did this to me, right? You know, and again, it doesn't have to be in the military. It can be outside of the military, but it's just amazing how you're still here. Like, you decided not to go down that dark path for your family, for yourself, and for 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 your future, which is, which is commendable, because it takes a lot of strength. Trust me, I know.